0: Listening to Business Growth Radio, Solutions on Demand on WNTWA 20 AM 92.7 FM, The Answer. I'm William Eastming. I am your host and managing partner for GrowthWorks Media. And uh, today's show, for those of you who are tracking either live if it's Friday, it's live if it's Saturday, or it's podcast, obviously it's recorded. This is show 4.10, show 10, season 4. And this is chapter 10 from our book, um, Owner as Executive. and. This chapter is called Margin, Profit, and Wealth, and our topics today um, are just two. One is start with profit, not revenue, and number two is expand capacity through quality. And you can participate in the conversation, either uh, ask a question, uh, pose a hypothetical or something about your business, because this show is directed at business owners and people who are in senior positions in small businesses. You can call in at 804-454-1366, that's 804 804- Four five four one three six six. 1366 if you want to be active. Now, I heartily recommend, even if you're not going to call in, the best way you can participate with the show is to go to our website, growthradio.biz, that's growthradio.biz. And when you get there, and I'm over there right now, you'll come to the homepage, and uh, you can see that you can either listen to the show as you're doing right now, or you can stream it live. And We also have the phone number there. Again, the phone number is 804 804- 454 Now, in terms of following the show, I recommend the, you do the following. Go to Resources at the top of the page on the navigation bar. Um, you'll see Growth Work Resources. Under Blog, you'll see a, a button that says Knowledge. Click it. That will take you to our blog page, uh, Owner Life. And in the upper left-hand corner box, uh, you'll see a, an icon that says On the Air, and if you hit it, it'll flip over. It'll say Chapter 10. Go ahead and click it, and then you have the show notes. So that way you can follow along. Okay, so that's how you navigate the website, and I would heartily recommend that if you follow along, everything that you need to know to in order to, to use the materials, the tools that we talk about today are there. And I have a special, for the people at the end of the show, a special download for you to take a look at. All right, so now I got a couple shout outs to do before we start the show. Uh, one is to my business partner, uh, Stephen Cohen at Greenmark Consulting. Um, we do, we work with a number of other consulting companies, and one of the ones I'm working with right now is Greenmark Group. They work in the landscape industry, and Stephen Cohen is the president of that. He is also the owner and president of BCLS Landscaping in Ashland, Virginia, and I'll put a plug in for the show. I mean, for his uh, business, is that if you're in the landscaping business, um, He's the guy to talk to if you need a landscaper. Uh, give Stephen a call. He's up in Ashland and uh, he can help service your business. Also, yesterday was Stephen's birthday. I don't have any idea how old he is, but I'm not going to. I'm. Not, I wouldn't tell you that over the phone anyway. He had on Facebook today. He had a shot of him and the family down in the Caribbean. But I really think he's in Ashland, getting ready for the snow this weekend. Also, uh, regular contributors to the show. They may call and they may not. I never know, and I like to surprise Andy Schulich at Metamorphosis Management Consulting. Andy is one of the best process engineers I know and runs a general management uh, consulting practice, Ben Meredith at Ben Meredith Consulting, and he is probably one of the premier software engineers in the area of customer relationship management. And uh, you need control marketing and sales and service. Ben be a guy to talk to. And then finally, my good friend, uh, Nelson Phillips at Financially Fit Business Solutions, and Nelson's the master of money. And he, his job is to make money show up for your small business. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to introduce our newest member to the, uh, to the, uh, to the team here at The Answer at NTW, and that's studio engineer Henry Freeman. Henry, good morning.
1: Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. And you?
1: I'm doing good. Can't complain too much.
0: Okay. And so uh, how do you like this job?
1: I love it. I learned a lot of stuff that I thought I would never know in life. <laughs> so it's
0: been pretty good. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, we're happy to have you on the team. And I know you're sitting in there with Tracy Lynn, and Tracy's giving you some pointers. But I think you it looks like you got this mastered.
1: Yes, I learned a lot, and Tracy has been a pretty good teacher. So I owe a lot to her and ask her.
0: What, what, what's your background in, um, in broadcasting?
1: Um, I've been here for a year, and this is my first time in broadcasting.
0: Excellent. And you've been here a year. Where'd you come from?
1: Um, well, before this I was unemployed. So,
0: Oh, well, Hey, I am glad to see that you are working and you're working here and helping our team. Thank you, sir. All right. So let me, with that, um, let me get into the show notes. And like I said, um, two ways to get to the show notes. Number one is to go to our website, GrowthRadio.biz. growth, radio. And Henry's sitting back there smiling. You did a good job, Henry. Um, and go there, go to the resources page, uh, click the knowledge button under the blog, open that up, left-hand corner box uh, will be the show notes, and I'm going to basically, I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to follow them, and I'm going to go through that. And, of course, you can get in the conversation by dialing in at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. And give Henry something to do. All right, now let's get rocking on the show. So I said that this is Chapter 10 of our 13-chapter uh, book, and uh, the idea behind this is that, as we've uh, been doing, and we talk about it at the beginning of every show, is we do an overview of what we've been doing. So for our long-term listeners, hang with me for 30 seconds. For our new listeners, uh, whether it's live, recording, or on podcast, uh, what, we, what we've done is we, uh, our focus is on business growth, and that's the case in 2019 as well as 2018. And we took the year, broke it down into four business quarters, and talked about the essentials that are required. By the way, this is part of how we consult with our clients. Number one, uh, season one, uh, first quarter, uh, was on revenue, how to produce more money. The theme of the show was Stop Leaving Money on the Table. And so the focus there was how to generate revenue and not necessarily how to get new customers as much as it was how to get better margin customers. Season two, which started in April and ran through June, the focus there was on profitability of cost. So if you listen to that show, uh, you would be able to, um, some of the things we talked about there, we're going to bring back. Uh, we're going to have a different focus with it. But the whole deal is, as the theme of that show said, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And the idea is, is that, Profit is the end result of something. Uh, So if you don't have your costs under control, you're never going to get the end result of profitability. Season three, which started in July and ran through September, was all about winning the talent war because as the economy has been growing, one of the things that's happened is that there's the tighter and tighter labor markets. And the really good companies are not struggling to find employees. And it's not because they have a nursery out back where they're growing them. Rather, this is a function of they run pretty good companies. They are. There's something about the company's reputation and their branding that's attracting people to join them, and uh, when they do, uh, it's a good place to work and they don't leave. And so we took a, a real focus on how to own the employee life cycle. And then this season was different. First three seasons were, as a business owner or somebody in a leadership management position in a small company, uh, what do you do? Well, this season is more about the owner and the people in those senior positions about mindset because... If you don't, if you if you're not disciplining yourself and you're not focused on the right things, what you do will matter, but not to the degree it could. And so, this whole season has been focused on strictly that. Uh, the owner, as an executive, because what I have found is that one of the challenges that most business owners have is they see themselves as glorified technicians or glorified supervisors or managers, and not the executive of company. And if you want to grow it, you got to start thinking like an exec. And so this is the 10th show on that topic, okay? So the topics are start with profit, not revenue, and expand capacity through quality. So I'm going to put in a plug for a book that I didn't write. And um, a gentleman, and I should have researched his name, but you can find it if you go to Amazon or just do a search on Google or Bing, and that is Profit First. And his whole contention was, as a business owner, what you ought to do is set up a minimum of three accounts, a profit account a tax account, and an expense account. And so you start off by when you, let's say you got a check for a $1,000 and it came into the business. What is the profit that you want to turn by the end of the year? Because that profit is in some degree the wealth that you're accumulating. And so if, let's say you want a 20% profit, after tax profit. So you put $200 in the profit account. Then you go over and say, okay, what is my estimated taxes Not only taxes on profitability, but payroll taxes, et cetera. What is that? And let's say that that is $400 and you stick that in. Well, you put in 200 in profit. You put 400 into taxes. That leaves you with $600 and the remainder goes in the expense account. Now, if you do something like this, I I, I pretty much can predict what's going to happen next. And that is you're going to go, well, I don't have enough money in the expense account to cover my expenses. Well, that should force you to rethink the business because maybe your goal ought to be to operate on that expense account because taxes are non-negotiable. But the problem is, is that you'll say, well, I took too much profit. Well, stop right there because for most business owners, certainly in the early stages of growth of the company, we sacrifice profit. In fact, profit is like a leftover. You know, after you had uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah meal, you've got something left over and that's what the owner takes as profit. Well, as soon as you can get out of that mindset, you need to because your wealth, the wealth that you're generating for you and your family and something to pass on all comes from profit. And so you got to look at what profit you want to take because if you're only making 20% off the money money that is coming into the company, um, in some businesses that's a fairly high profit. But on the other hand, you did um, $800 worth of work to get $200 worth of money. Um, that's probably not a great equation when you think about somebody who's got a job and drawing a check rather than being a business owner and writing your own payroll checks, uh, tech, checks to yourself. And so that's the whole premise here. And so even though I'm going to be talking about margin and revenue, the whole goal here is profit, 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 because profit becomes wealth. So start with profit, not revenue. The second topic is going to be to expand capacity through quality. And we're going to be talking about that. So now, if you want to backtrack on any of these, uh, the issue would start with profit, not revenue, is all of Season 2. So instead of listening to 13 shows, and I'll show you where you can get at those because we have them archived, if you like, go back and look at them. Instead of listening to 13 shows, I'm going to condense it here. And then expand capacity through uh, quality is basically the same thing, Show 2. We also hand that pretty well because of the way that we approach Uh, building the infrastructure, not only the external infrastructure, the things that the customer uh, experiences when you produce stuff, but the internal structure, which is pretty much what the employees experience when they try to work. All right, so now everything that we've been doing up till today has been to take us home. And so the first nine shows, the first show was an overview. Then it was eight shows on things that the owner needs to consider. Uh, about how they approach the business and how they think of themselves. Now what we're going to do in the next three shows is we're going to bring it all together for you and kind of summarize it with what to do. All right. So now I replaced, um, I took these three, I took these issues and I said, okay, let's start with the, the idea of cost. Because as I said before, we can't get the profit if we don't talk cost. So if you're looking at the show notes, and again, that's on owner life, that's O W N R dot L I F E. Uh, it's misspelled on purpose. If you get there through the blog site or you get there through the, um, uh, the uh, website, dun, uh, the growth radio dot biz, doesn't matter how you get there, is that here's three things to consider scheduling, efficiency, and quality or waste. Okay. And let's talk about that because one of the things that I do, and I'm going to jump around in the notes a little bit because I want to make a point financially. And that's this. Okay, here's an example. Let's take a look at your business. And let's say that you do an assessment of the business and you, and you ask yourself the following question. And by the way, if you're sitting someplace where you can write or you can type into your phone or your mobile device, please do this. If you looked at all the resources you have in the company, all the assets, the trucks, the equipment, the tools, the people, um, you look at all the machines, if you looked at everything, and you were to maximize it and run it 100% of your capacity, how much revenue would you generate in the business? And write that number down. And, um, And you can always come back and look at this a little bit harder. Okay, now take that number and compare that to what is your current revenue? Where are you today? And you take what is potential in the business with what is actual, and I'll give you a percentage. So for example, if you are a company that's making a million dollars a year in revenue, um, uh, and well, yeah, let, let's just, let, let me t- turn this around. What, you look at the business and you say, you know what, if we maximize everything we were doing, we could make a million dollars. That's what the potential of the company is. Then I take a look at the revenue that we're bringing in, and it's at 800000 So really quickly, what you've got is a capacity number of 80%. So you're running the business at about 80% of what's possible. Now, in most of the industries I've worked in, of course, it changes. Uh, if you're in manufacturing, the number is a little bit higher because of all the expensive equipment. If you're in service uh, where you're, you're servicing customers and it's less about equipment, the number is a little bit lower. But let's just take the number right now of 80 percent. My experience over the last almost 40 years of being in the business is that if your capacity of your business is 80 percent of what it could do, you're probably right at break even and turning a margin or turning a marginal profit. So that kinda of says, whoa. So an example I put in the notes, I said, so let's say that you're making 10% profit off of that, um, off of the 800,000 that you're making, that's 80 grand in profit, okay? So uh, 800,000, uh, 80 grand is profit. Now here's where this capacity uh, thing comes in, and that is, if you were to take the company to 100%, how much more money is that, and where does that go? So an example I put in the notes, is I said, okay, well, what if you increased the amount of of revenue you generated by 10%? In other words, you went from 80% capacity to 90% capacity. How much more profit would that add? Well, the answer is not 10%. Why is that? Well, because let's say your business has a gross margin. When you're out there and you look at, after you take out labor and material costs, and uh, you find out that your gross margin is about 40% or your gross profit, which means that's how much money is coming in and then you got the overhead of running the business and all those expenses. Let's say it's at 40%. Well, if you're if you are producing $800,000 and you're at a 10% profit, you're covering all your overhead, all your fixed costs. So that additional um $100,000 is really 40 is with a gross margin 40% because you almost have no fixed costs attached to it is $40,000 in profit. So now if you think about it 800,000 at 10% gives you 80 grand. 900,000 with this new ne- with this new metric actually gives you on $120,000. And so the closer you get to maximize the capacity of the firm once you get past your break even point is almost, it's almost pure profit. I remember I was working for one of the consultant companies I started a few years ago. We had a vast library of training materials. And one of the things that we sold was to a company that was consolidating the electrical industry. Uh, I won't go into names. But what they were doing is they were buying out small electrical contractors and building basically a franchise. Uh, one of the first to do this. And they wanted our entire library. They were going to train it. And so we agreed. And they couldn't spend more than a million dollars. So we gave them an unlimited license for five years for $950,000. Do you know how much of that was profit? Well, let me tell you, what was the cost of doing that? Producing the DVDs for the materials and invoicing them. So our our margin on that was about 95% on $950,000. And so that's the point that I'm making here. And so now let's go back and say, all right, if I want to get that additional gain from adding, say, $100,000 in revenue, increasing my revenue by – um, 10%, then uh, where would what do I have to do? So let's take a look at external practices. Start off with scheduling. And like I said in Season 2, uh, we hammered on this pretty hard. And if you want to go and take a look at Season 2 and listen to them, then here's my recommendation. Go to our website, growthradio.biz. That's growthradio.biz. Go to podcast that you'll see up on the top navigation board. Click that. And what you'll do is you'll come down to our podcast. So, for example, today's podcast obviously is not up yet. Um, it will be in about uh, 30 minutes after the show. But then you can, as you scroll down, you can see all the other shows that we've done this season with the podcast there. And as you get to the bottom of the page, what you'll find is we have archived season one, season two, season three. And all of those are on our SoundCloud platform. So, if you want to listen to season two and get all the details of what I'm about to cover, Go down there and click Season 2 Playlist, and then what you'll have is you'll have all of those. All right, so now back to the topic. So let's start off with scheduling. The most important thing that can happen in a business is how effective are you in scheduling. If you want to generate profit that equals wealth to you, the owner, and to your family, and perhaps if you're doing some sort of profit sharing to everybody else in the firm, the place to start is scheduling. And there's two reasons for it. Number one is... It's something you control. This is really a management function more than it is anything else. And number two is it it affects your capacity more than anything else. In other words, how much more work can we do a day and get in without adding any resources? And I'm going to say without adding any cost because the cost of producing something for a customer, whether it's a service or whether it's a product, is already is already embedded. In other words, you've got the fixed cost of running the business every day. You gotta pay for the building or pay your lease, you gotta make payroll for people inside the company, you gotta pay your tax you got all this stuff you gotta do. All right? So that's all there. So whether you do one job today or fifty jobs today, you still got to pay for that day's worth of fixed cost. And so the more you can get into this day, the more you can get done. So it starts with scheduling, which is a management function. Okay? So what you want to do is you want to take a look at how do I increase the return on people and on assets that I've purchased to get more work through the door. And there's lots of scheduling software packages out there that we could talk about. Um, I'd recommend that uh, perhaps Ben Meredith would be a guy that you'd want to contact on that. Or you can call in and ask me, and I'll run down a couple that I've used. Or you can do this yourself and build it on a spreadsheet. By the way, if you want to call in and have that conversation, 804. Four five four one three six six. that's 804 454 so number 1 is scheduling and right now I'll I'll say to you that's your job as the owner if you got a layer management between you and supervisors then that's what you hired them to do if you don't have that then this is what you're doing the second one has to do with efficiency and the difference is is that now we're not talking about how many jobs can we do in a day or how how much can we produce in a day This is now we take a look at individual jobs, assignments, manufacturing runs, whatever. And how efficient are we in doing that? In other words, when we put that together, for example, we sold a job to a customer. We told the customer that we were going to do X and it was going to cost Y. So embedded in that is three things. One is your material cost, your labor cost, and then whatever is left over is your gross margin or gross profit. And so... Efficiency is how well do we meet or exceed our estimates. If we tell the customer that it's going to take us 2.4 hours to do this, then at a minimum we've got to do it in 2.4 hours. If our estimate internally is we're going to do it with two people, then we better do it with two people. And so if we can take, let's say we can take that 2.4 hours and turn it into 2.3, just take that tenth of a percent out that will have a major impact, not just on that job, but as I accumulate those over the day. Um, and so uh, one is scheduling. Then two is look at how well we are doing the jobs that we've got. And then number three gets down to quality of waste. And by the way, efficiency is the job of the supervisors. And so the supervisor's responsibility is that if they've been assigned a job that they're supposed to supervise, it is going to come in at a minimum on budget. Now, when we come back from the break, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tackle the third one, which is quality or waste. And that's really a function of the employees. Only they can get it. And so with that, I will catch you on the other side of the break. Take care. We're back. This is Business Growth Radio or Solutions on Demand on WNTW 820 AM or 92.7 FM, The Answer. And you can join the conversation at 804 And where we left this before the break at the bottom of the hour is we were talking about what do you need to do in order to get your processes under control and so that you can... Increase your margins because if you can't increase your margins, you're never going to get at profitability. Um, so where we left it was the issue of who's got what role, and we talked about scheduling being the absolute most important. My experience is eighty percent of your gross margin is in scheduling, and this is a role of management. If you've got if you're the owner and you've got a layer of management, okay, um, you got a you got a layer of management uh, between uh, you and the workforce or the supervisors then let the managers do it. That's what you're hiring them to do. If not, then um, it's something you should do as the owner. Number two is that when it comes to the efficiency of the job, that is the issue for your first-line supervision. That's their job. If they got a job to get done and you're giving them some sort of work order or they got a production run that says, here's your material cost, here's your labor cost, uh, they've got to at least meet it if not exceed it. And the third one was to deal with quality and waste, which is the role of the employees. But before I go there, one of our regular contributors is on the phone, and that is Andy Shulick from Metamorphosis Management Consultant. Good morning, Andy. Good, been a while.
1: Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Wonderful. Glad to hear you today. Well, thanks. for show. Hey, I was calling in about scheduling, and most people, in uh, when you talk to them about scheduling, they think about scheduling people. Okay? Right. But it's a bigger job than that, and in, in some big companies, they have – a whole group dedicated to that because not only do you have to schedule the people, but you have to look at your resources you have for those people to use and then, uh, like in your lawn yeah. service, you might have to have raw material, so you've got to have to schedule you know getting orders of mulch uh ahead of time so you don't run out
0: or or right now, I got a client in up in Toronto uh, which I'm heading up to on Sunday, and their issue is they had they had to have bought salt in September. Yes. Because now they can't get any.
1: Understand. Yeah. I yeah. am not gonna believe that. And, uh, you know, and also looking on, um, you know, what they're doing with uh, finished goods, because sometimes you have to schedule to have a little overproduction to go ahead and have some on hand in case you get yeah. that instantaneous re- uh, response from somebody. I need it today. Right. Well, yeah. You know?
0: And 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 that's the difference between being in, in and I don't want to say manufacturing because it, um, everybody thinks of like a automotive plant or something, but if you're in the business of making things, then you usually will have some sort of buffer uh, just to take the slack out of the system, how much buffer you have, uh, that, that, you know, there's mathematical formulas for determining that. The real challenge is in a service business is you can't stockpile hours. Correct. You, you can't you can't create kind of this finished goods inventory is that I mean, I wish I could go to a customer and say, I'm going to give you half price on the hours I didn't use last week. Right. I wish that would work. It just, it simply doesn't. They look at you like you lost your mind.
1: But you know, sometimes to offset that what you do for scheduling is you have a external partner that could even be a competitor that you can call upon to bring in to take care of those peaks and valleys,
0: yeah so andy what 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 would you what would be your recommendation because I know this whole topic is right in your uh, bandwidth something you did for a number of years when uh, you were when you had a corporate job right um, what would you say about the whole thing about one about scheduling and then number two, making sure that uh, the efficiency issue that jobs are done on time on budget
1: well the, the scheduling like I say is is uh, one thing, okay, but uh, making sure jobs are done on uh, budget is where you have to go ahead and measure and compare and then do continuous adjustment.
0: Yeah, and 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 we typically do use it for two things. One is what I find in a lot of small businesses is that their estimates were bad. So when they sold this to the customer, they didn't get the estimate right, and then when you go to make it, you realize – um, we can't get it done on that budget and that budget being manpower uh, and uh, material and right. so number one is you can use that to look at what you're what you're selling to say hey we got to adjust what we're selling to customer because we're creating unrealistic expectations that are costing us money as well as uh, hitting our service reputation
1: right and so uh, thinking in a little different aspect basically what you're doing is when you In the job, you analyze it, and you get what you call lessons learned. Yeah. And you put that back into your system and use that as going forward to say, how can I improve my efficiency, my effectiveness, my quality, my scheduling, based upon those lessons learned. But a key thing that you mentioned, too, was you go into a job and you don't get all the data up front, therefore you underestimate it. And it's mm-hmm. real important to go ahead and, and be able to ask the right questions to get the right scope of the
0: work. Yeah, and, so, and so what Andy is saying there is that basically uh, we'll make it real simple. Let's say you, uh, you give a supervisor a work order. On the work order should have materials, all the materials list that you're going to use, and it should have labor hours, how many people and how much time. Once that's done, at the end of it, you debrief that and you look at what you actually did. And it, it it it'll provide you the answer to one of two questions. Our estimates are bad up front, so we're we're not selling good deals. Or two, there's something wrong with the supervision on the job, because if people are not making budget, if we so if we sold what would work, and yet we still didn't get it um, on time with the right type of manpower, then that means that how that job was being run is an issue. And now I ought to be talking to the supervisor. Right.
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's all good communications.
0: Okay. Really. Last thing, Andy, um, before we wrap this up. Sure. Um, how do you get employees involved in quality and waste? Because that's where I'm going with this last piece. And that is uh, you really, you can't inspect quality into anything. It has to be built in. So how do you get employees to focus in on reducing the amount of waste that is part of how they work?
1: Okay, well, usually the uh, the best way is to get the employee engaged in what they produce and what I call have skin in the game. And what you can do is rather than being a dictator and saying, listen to me and do this, you go down and you say, well, what have you observed? What can we change? How can you become better? And reward them if they come up with ideas and to reduce waste. It could be a one-time bonus or some recognition amongst everybody in the company, but it gets them self-motivated so they feel that they are the company now, not just a figure working in the company.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, one of the things that we've been building for our clients is a pay for performance system and the bonus, whatever you want to call this added money comes from here. In other words, the more that they reduce waste on the job, I share a percentage or I have my business owner clients share a percentage of that with them. So now they're constantly looking for ways to do the job better as long as the customer is not complaining. Because obviously you could cut corners to get it done better, faster, and then the customer is going, well, that's not what I bought. Right. Okay, Andy, uh, to close out, how do people get a hold of you?
1: Uh, they
0: can uh, contact me at
1: 804-370-1804 or go to my website uh, uh dot com. All
0: right, thanks, Andy, and thanks for calling in. Good talking to you. Have a great day, sir. Bye. All right, thank you. Yeah, one of the better process engineers I know, and a great management consultant. And he was dead on, and uh, he didn't he didn't plug himself too much, but. This is what he did for a number of years in a major corporation here in Richmond that was in the production business, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, So the thing I want to close with is that each person, each level of the organization has a role to play. Scheduling is a management issue. Efficiency or how well jobs are brought in on budget is a supervisory issue. Waste and quality is an employee issue. And the thing to understand is that your external processes, the things that the customer is paying for, are basically revenue centers. View them as a center to produce revenue. Now let me flip this to say the same mindset applies internally because now what we're not talking we're not we're going to stop talking about margin and we're going to talk about profit because what the external people do and they bring into the firm is what is known at least when I had when I was working on an MBA was called profit contribution. This is all money contributed toward the profit but we still got a company to run so now we got all the fixed cost of all the internal operations and all the other things that we've got to pay for that are not part of delivery to the customer whether it's a product or a service you can use the same mindset because view your internal processes as cost centers external processes or revenue centers internal processes are cost centers and you know basically revenue minus cost equals what so scheduling, I use the same mindset. I take a look at all the internal functions. I look at accounting. Let's say that you have accounts payable separated from accounts receivable. Or maybe they're in the same but in ordering um, and maintaining inventory is a different group of people. What it, What is the sk- proper schedule? How much work should they be doing every single day? Because what we don't want is we don't want anybody in the field waiting on anything. We want it there when it's supposed to be there, and perhaps maybe a little bit before. So I'm gonna take the same approach and I'm gonna look at scheduling internally to see how much the work is flowing through. I'm also gonna take a look at jobs. So maybe instead of having a work order, you allocate time. Uh, so for example, one of the places they did a turnaround every Thursday was AR day, accounts receivable day. And what that whole department did was follow up on, Uh, invoices that had been sent, whether they were sent by mail or they sent by email, and they were doing follow-up phone calls. Did you get it? Is it accurate? Do you have any issues with it? And so that was one thing we did because what we wanted to do is eliminate the opportunity not to get paid. Because, trust me, customers, if you give customers an opportunity not to pay you, they will. And so we spent a whole day on that because... That contribution of that labor was enormous to the cash flow of the company. So scheduling and efficiency are two things that I will be looking at, and the same thing with quality of waste is once we've got some procedures in place, I want to challenge the employees internally to see if there's not ways that we can do this better, faster, and for less. And if we can do that, then it's going to cost us less to run the business. And so my focus when I go into a company – And I have, uh, I'm not doing turnarounds anymore right now. I work as a fractional executive where I take over part of the business. And what I mean, I take it over instead of hiring somebody in the job. I'll come in, I'll implement it because the owner just does not have the time. Sometimes it's more than bandwidth. It's something the owner doesn't understand how to do yet, which I'll have to train them. But I come in and I do it. I train somebody and then I leave. And so how do I look at that business? Well, the first thing we do is we baseline it. And this is in your notes. Um, so if you're looking at your show notes toward the bottom, number one is your baseline to business, okay? What is the margin and profit at current revenue? And we do that little activity we talked about before is you sit down and you say, if we were to theoretically use everything that we have at our disposal, how much revenue could we generate? Then compare that to how much revenue we are generating to get an idea of what our percentage of capacity is. Now, once I've got that, then what I want to do is I say, okay, now let's look at all the internal and external processes. Now, maybe maybe you have mapped the workflows. And again, this is season two, if you want to go back to it in the archives. If you've mapped the workflows, then what you've done is you've basically drawn a, a picture of how workflows through your system. You got everybody involved. You took all, out all the non-value-added activities, things that don't really contribute to the process. You eliminate steps you reduce the amount of time it takes, you take down your labor cost on those, and then you codify it say, this is how we do it. Then you write a set of standard operating procedures for that. As many as you particularly need to say, this is how the job is done. You put a stake in the ground. And then finally you write your position descriptions from that. And you say, okay, if this standard operating procedure has 10 steps in it, who owns the steps? And you and then you assign those and basically what you've done is you've written half to two-thirds of a position description. And that tells people what they're supposed to be doing. The fourth step in that is then build a measurement skeleton, and I'm going to close with that with a special offer for the show. But what I do is I bring all internal, external processes under control. If they're not under control, which means never been mapped, there are no SOPs and no position descriptions. If there have been, then we review them. Because the way I see this is that you, all small businesses – have a bank at their disposal and they don't realize it. This excess capacity you're not using and the fact that you don't have processes under control and it's costing you more money to run the business than it should is all free money. It's money waiting for you to be found. And what I can do in a business is that I I can basically fund most improvement operations from this. We don't have to go to the bank for a capital investment unless we really got to buy equipment. We don't have to go to the bank to either get a line of credit or expand the line of credit. Here is where the money is at because you're already making the revenue. Let's increase the profit or I should say increase the margin on the revenue that we are producing so that we will have an increased profit. And I can do all of this without uh, borrowing a dollar. And so number three, number one is baseline to business. Number two is bring the processes under control. Number three is do more business with the same resources. And when I do that, I raise the margins, as we talked about in the example, is at some point, all your fixed costs are paid for, so the only thing it costs you is variable costs. In other words, to do that work, and the margin is already built into that, so suddenly a 40% gross margin might turn into a 38% contribution uh, to your profit because maybe 2% of that you are... You, you know, you got to invoice, or you got to do something around that. But there are dollars waiting for you, and this is the way I've got to think as a business owner. I've got to think profit first and work backwards. This is this is the forward approach. Profit first is the backward approach, but it gets me to the same place. Um, and you can do all this without borrowing any money. Now, let me uh, talk about what I a special offer I've got for you, and this is something that I wrote a while back, um, and it's the basis what we do with all the measurement systems. So if you go to our website, growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz, go to resources, click that. Uh, There we go. The Internet's moving a little slow today here. Um, And what you'll see is, as you scroll down the page, you will see growth work tools. And here are some downloads that I'm putting up now that you can – download and take a look at, and it's different than the show notes. This is additional to the show notes. And you'll see measurement V8 version 8, and it's a PDF. And what this is, I think it's about 15, 16 pages, but it's on the topic of measurement in terms of putting together a measurement skeleton. Because what I didn't put in my three, number four would be, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, number three dot B, you know, in other words, part of that uh increasing the margins in the business but you need to build a measurement skeleton. You need to put something in place as Andy was talking about, you know, you're going to do lessons learned, you could do an audit. There has to be a discipline about measurement in the company. And the old uh, the old saying the old uh, saw is you can't manage what you don't measure is so true because all you're using is maybe intuition or some some evidence that may not in fact have anything to do with what you're trying to look at. Uh, the, the the issue here is that if you're treating symptoms and not root causes, then you, you will consistently fix symptoms and the problem doesn't go away. Well, on this management one, it takes a look at the company, and it uses a formula that we use with all our accounts that says F finance or dollars equals C plus T uh, plus P plus T C customers, P production, T talent, and so let's put finance aside. What is it about customers that I should measure? This is marketing, this is sales, and this is service. So each one of those areas, what are the key metrics? And we're using the rule of threes. So when I look at customers, I'm I'm saying, okay, I'm going to measure marketing. There's three things in marketing I'm going to measure. I'm going to look at sales. There's three things in sales I'm going to measure. I'm going to look at service. There's three things in service I'm going to measure. And by the way, I know if you're a long-term listener to the show, or a listener to the podcast, you've heard me say this many times, customer service is not a random act of kindness. Customer service is an upsell. And the reason that service should be part of sales is that that's where the sales team is going to go in, and at about 20% of the cost of sales, they're going to upsell existing accounts. If they're happy with what you've done and they're happy about the treatment that they've received, then the opportunity to sell more is there, And your cost of sales are way down. In fact, my experience is your cost of sales are about 20% of what they would have been if you had to get a new account. So that's the customers and the three metrics in customers. Then in production, okay, there's three areas in production that we measure, and each one of those have three subsets. And what basically we're looking at is what in production? Scheduling, efficiency or work on budget, and waste or quality. And then on talent, we have three that we take a look at in talent, and that has to do with involvement uh, of the leadership, training and development, and basically skill mastery and communications. So download that, go through that, and if you want, what you can do is that you can come back to the website because I definitely would love to talk to you about this. And if you look at the navigation bar at the top, it says Let's Talk. Click the Let's Talk and give me your email address um, and we'll set up a phone call. Even better, you can book time on my calendar. So your choice is submit an email address and we'll schedule a meeting where we can talk about anything related to the show. But specifically for right now, I'd like to talk about uh, our model for doing measurement in the firm, building a measurement skeleton. Or you can go to book me and book me will then have you, allow you to pick some space on my calendar and then we'll set up a phone conversation. And all that is free. Uh, my job here is to help. And so in my closing minutes, let me let me talk about what the, the real paradigm about what we're doing this season and about the business. So I'll work backwards. This season is really about my experience as an owner trying to be an executive. And if you know my history, and I think I've got it, I've said it a couple times, and I've got it on the website somewhere, is that I spent of the last almost 40 years, I will be in the business 40 years come, uh, this February, about 25 years was large corporate, large organizational consulting, where I had an opportunity to work with some really good and some really bad executives. And one of the things I took from that is that I got to see how these people operated. Now, what was interesting to me is that the very best executives in industry were there weren't there was not a lot of difference between them and a lot of the really good senior officers that I worked with when I was in the military. Uh, when I was in the United States Coast Guard, uh, my last job as I was the chief of the Coast Guard's Leadership and Management School, and what we were doing, we we couldn't advertise this because nobody would hire us, but we were doing organizational development work where we would go into a command once invited, and we would help the commanding officer and his wardroom and his chief's quarters, you know, basically his management team and his supervisory team and help them get the unit functioning the way the, the unit needed to function. And so I learned a lot from these really good leaders. And the only difference between the, mil- the really good senior officers in the military and uh, the executives in the corporate world is the military guys don't have to worry about profit. You know, it's mission, 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 mission. Um, in the corporate world, it's profit, profit, profit. So there is some differences there. But the personal characteristics of those people were the same. Then 15 years ago when I made the transition over to working in small business because I had more of a passion for that because you could see some impact. And let's face it, the, the, the American economy as well as the Canadian economy, the Mexican economy, the Australian economy, the British economy, Indian economy, um, you pick the country. The economy is driven by small businesses that about 90 percent of all new jobs come from small businesses. And so I really want to have an impact. And one of the things that I noticed was this was exactly what business owners were struggling with, is that they got to a point where they were technically uh, competent for running their companies, and they understood it technically, but then it was more of a, well, what's next? What do I got to do next? How do I take it to the next level? And part of that was they had to change how they were thinking. And my partner, Steve Cohen, talks about this all the time when he says that it's all about mindset, and it really is. So this season was all about your mindset as a business owner and how do you have to change how you think? Because if you change how you think, you'll change how you behave. Okay. And I think that's a, uh, it's a loose quote of something that Buddha said a long time ago, but we are what we think we are. And so if you start thinking like an executive, you'll start acting like an executive. And now the company will begin to grow in ways that you didn't see possible things that you wanted to have happen. But not necessarily things that uh, were occurring. And so that's been my whole focus on this season. We've got assessments that uh, you can take, and if you want to get a handle on some of those, um, I'll, when you call me or send me an email, I'll, I'll direct you to that. Uh, the website is pretty rich and resources on there in terms of what you can use to grow the company. But fundamentally, this is what all this is about is for you to generate wealth for yourself and your family and in the process of generating wealth, which means you have to have a highly successful business. You're creating jobs, good jobs in your community. And the mission of growth works has always been this mission since we started 15 years ago. And that was produce wealth for owners so they can create good jobs in the, in their communities. And that's really what we're about wealth and jobs. And so this season has been directed toward business owners and what you've got to do to make that come true. Um, I don't know where you stand on the jobs thing, but certainly that's where my mission is at. All right. So let's talk next week. We've got about uh, 30 seconds left. Next week, we're going to be talking about sales equals capacity. And that is an extension of the show because what we've done now is we've created all this excess capacity. We've identified it and suddenly we're operating at 80%. How do I get that additional 10 or maybe even 15%? Cause 100% is not possible except for a short burst, but I could get at 95% without a problem. So, how do I now sell into that additional 15% and that's going to be our and that is going to be our focus for show 11. So with that, have a great week. Get a hold of me, you know how to do so, and I will I will talk to you next Friday. This is Eastman out.